Hi everyone, it's the Marvelous Patrick Show. I'm your host, the Marvelous Patrick, and uh, this is uh, somewhere out there in the internet on via Skype is my co-host Matt Novak. Do I get a name like the Adequate instead of the Marvelous? You could definitely be Adequate. I'm okay with that. All right. So the Adequate Matt Novak. And the Marvelous Patrick, and this is the Marvelous Patrick Show, where every week we just take a look at whatever's going on in our lives or in the world and talk about it. Um, it could be pop culture, it could be news, it could be geekery, it could be just about anything and everything out there. But we have a really interesting way to do this, and that is via the list, because, you know, the internet loves lists, but we're going to do it a little differently. I am going to start by giving a list of three topics that uh, we could potentially talk about tonight. And Matt is going to veto one. Meanwhile, after I get done with giving my topics, Matt will give a list of three topics, and I'll veto one of his. And with that, we will uh, we will do our show based on the topics that remain, and we'll just kind of take turns. It's gonna be kind of interesting a little bit. Kind of, uh, I'm kind of borrowing this format a little bit. There's a segment on the Steve and Kyle podcast called the Fast Five, where they do something similar. I kind of think it's a good way just to organize the whole show. So, Matt, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Here's my three topics. Number one, Trump emoluments. I'm probably saying that word wrong because I cannot pronounce words I can read. All right. That's, that's a good um, a good start for talking about something, not being able to pronounce it. <laughs> the Last Jedi. All right. See, this, is a, the, this is the part where you're supposed to say like something about I'm, it. React. Well, We're I, new to this, folks. There's not much to react to yet. Okay, all right. And Weird Al has a new type of tour that he's going on this year. Oh, it, it sounds um, like he's reinventing himself. Dude, okay. really good All right, those are my those are my topics. Matt, what do you have for us this week? My topics are cashless societies. Oh, I actually kind of really like this idea of being cashless. All right, well, that might be a good one to, to not veto. But my topics are all amazing. So, all right. Next one is bad computer programming and or specifically like user interface issue. Ooh, I used to teach UI UX, so that might be kind of interesting to talk about too. All right. All right. And the last one is The Good Place and specifically up to the end of season one. Ooh, I love that show. That show is so brilliant. I, it was almost on my list, <laughs> actually. All right. See, all of my topics are amazing. All right, well, you get the first veto this week. All right. Trump emoluments, The Last Jedi, and the Weird Al tour that's coming up. Well, well we're going to get rid of Trump emoluments. All right. That's I mean, depressing, and we I'm, can't pronounce I'm it. We're talking about politics and the like, but we're going to keep it a little bit geekier this week. All right, we're going to keep it. We're going to try to keep things light. All right. Um, and your three topics, I'm going to veto one. What were they again for the audience? Cashless societies. Uh-huh. Bad computer programming slash user interface issues. And the good place up to season one or through season one. All right. I am going to veto the interface thing because I do think, you know, if this is a visual or a, like a vlog thing, I think that would be much easier to do that way. Okay. Than to do it just talking about it. I think you, you are denying examples. me my my rant about setting up Skype just now. Well, you know, you know what? You can always bring it back for the next episode. Maybe it'll make it through. Well, we'll see if they make me reset my password three times again. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, our topics this week, everyone, the last Jedi cashless societies, weird Al's new tour and the good place season one. With that said, let's get going with, uh, we'll start with the last Jedi. Matt, have you seen the trailer? I have seen the trailer. What do you think? I think I watched it one time, and uh, eh, I've seen better trailers for Star Wars Fair. Oh my god, you're the only human on the planet that doesn't like it. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's either giving too much away, or it's all misdirection. Okay, so... I think I mean we can't really go into spoilers for a trailer, right? I mean I don't think you have to give a spoiler warning on no, a trailer no, I, I for a movie okay. that hasn't come out yet. But you know I, I well, can see it. They um I feel like they really want us to think that Ray might go to the dark side. Well, yeah, I mean that's 
I mean, clearly it's set up that way and or that that Luke is a threat to her. I would be fascinated to see if it's okay. These these are the two things I think would be a really fascinating way to take the story. Number one, Ray and Kylo Ren, both on the dark side, serving Snoke. And the third movie is Luke having to just go like old man Logan style through these people, right? I mean, just totally like the last the last samurai kind of thing, right? Where he's got to totally just go and just eliminate all force users from the universe. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think that, that could be really fascinating. That gives a whole new context to the idea of the last Jedi. He's the last, not just the last Jedi, but maybe the last, you know, he's going to be the last force user. He's going to just go through and destroy everything that that that's... really that really doesn't seem to play into disney's synergy like let's keep making these things idea so i'm gonna it's... be skeptical about that one i i am too i'm just i'm just saying that it could be the other cool thing maybe what we're in for is the mother of all swapsies and ray becomes the villain and kylo ren goes and gets redeemed and so it's still ray versus kylo ren but kylo ren comes back to the side of light now that i really like and that could be here's, interesting. Here's why I like that one. And I, I have no idea. And maybe you've seen it. Maybe maybe everyone's seen it. Maybe it, it didn't make it very far. But I saw it suggested somewhere that Kylo didn't kill Han. I have seen this fan theory, too, that Han ignited the lightsaber on his own. I love that theory. And, it, okay, so, but here's the thing. I, I'll be honest with you. I just rewatched The Force Awakens the other night because my daughter, who is five, really wanted to see Rey again because she loves Rey. And um, and then it would break her heart if Rey goes evil. Um, <laughs> when you watch it, Kylo definitely gives the thrust once the blade is ignited. That's okay. So he has, He's being held. And the decision's been made by that point. Hmm. He just carries it out. I suppose. I don't know. I, so, yeah, I mean, if Han ignited the lightsaber, that's one thing. If Yeah, I, that could be really interesting. I mean... Because, I mean, clearly in the trailer, too, we're supposed to see that Kylo Ren is struggling with where he's at now. You know, that maybe this journey to the dark side isn't as complete as we were led to believe. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I I, I like, that. like that. Either way, I'm super excited about it. Um, I cannot wait. I, just... I, think, I think the little bits we're seeing of Mark Hamill look amazing, by the way. He looks like amazing acting <laughs> that we've seen so far from him in these trailers. I would I would agree with that. Um, the other thing that I thought stood out to me, though, was visually I wasn't nearly as impressed as I was for The Force Awakens. I mean, the stuff that was released there was all... I mean, uh, sitting down and watching that movie, just amazing. I don't think there's any denying that J.J. Abrams is a visual stylist, right? I mean, he is Spielberg's... Uh, Air apparent in a lot of ways, right? When it comes to visuals and whatnot, so I, I think that's I think that's fair to say. You know, Abrams will will have that visual visual flair. You know, he likes spectacle. Abrams enjoys creating spectacle in a way that uh, Michael Bay wishes he could. Michael Bay, you know, will, will will substitute an explosion and think that's spectacle. That that said, you know, and this is uh, this is off topic. This is a topic for another time. But you know, Abrams coming back for the third movie. Um, is very interesting, you know. It's and the minute the director was let go from the third movie, I thought, oh, please bring back Abrams. That was my first thought, and then uh, so I'm I'm really excited about that. I agree, you know. Visually, there's the posters though are visually striking in a way that the Star Wars posters previously not have have not been. The use of red is very interesting to me because that is, you know, it's very they have a, a red and white kind of thing with some black, and, and it's black and white and red all over. It's Star Wars. That's that's not a color scheme we have seen with Star Wars really before like this. So, no, I mean, it's, I'm not worried about the movie uh, being good. I, I think they obviously had something plotted out well and, you know, very... Yeah, well, that's, very, Kathleen, that's Kathleen Kennedy doing that. But the trailer, it, it didn't, you know, it didn't make me say, I got to watch this again. I got to show my wife that kind of thing. Um, okay. Whereas Force Awakened did. So... That's really interesting because, like, my kids were all like really excited about it and watched it a couple times. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess because I have watched it now a couple times, maybe it's just that's like, yeah, this is getting me excited. And you know, I'm more interested in Kylo Ren's arc than pretty much anything. And I don't know. I I, I kind of want to see a Luke versus Kylo lightsaber battle. I think it's gonna be interesting. But the thing is, we haven't seen Luke with a lightsaber, and his toy doesn't come with a lightsaber. And and this is Aww. I don't know. I don't know. But Interesting. so yeah, Last Jedi cannot wait. Comes out 
obviously in December. We'll probably be talking about it more in future episodes. <laughs> I would it's your turn. Cashless societies. All right. Oh. Proximity alert. I saw a headline the other day. I don't even know where my microphone is. I don't know how I can get. <laughs> like, like I'm, I really have no idea here. Hey, listeners, if uh, you want to contribute to a new microphone for Matt, please uh, go to patreon.com slash Marvelous Patrick today. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing here that would obviously be a microphone. There isn't even anything that would unobviously be a microphone. Okay, so cashless societies. I, I saw a headline the other day about countries that are going cashless or something to that effect. And I didn't read the article because I had well, you're an American. things to do. It struck me as an interesting concept, and I've kind of been thinking about it a little bit uh, over the, the past couple of days. And uh, I don't like the idea. I was going to ask, are you for it or against it? I am and against it. Why? And I, I think the reason is because of where I see it leading more than anything else. And so I am, I am on the scale of, you know, like from Luddite to early adopter. I, I guess I probably lean a little bit Luddite. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, That's yeah. It. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm. You're slow. You know, I'm, I'm, but I, you know, I like things. I'm just. Do you have a smartphone? I, I got no problem. Do you have a smartphone yet? No, but I don't want one. That's that's very intentional. <laughs> I say, I, I, Yeah, I don't want this phone that can do everything. I would rather I'm, much, much rather I carry am, around a big bulky laptop. I live two miles away from my home. I am. I have the internet, or I, I work two miles away from my home. You live two miles away from your home. How are things going with the wife? No, <laughs> I work. So, so I'm, I'm at the office. I have the internet. I'm at home. I have the internet. I'm dry. Like there, there isn't a time. It's very, very rare for me. Smartphone, just extra stuff, distraction. I like what what I get with not having. I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that. And not only I'm, I'm actually happier, I think, with without. But that said, getting back to, to the topic at hand, I see not just technological shifts. If you go to a cashless society, that that I have less concern about. But then maybe some of the other shifts that follow behind that. Uh, such and as. so, such as well, you know, I mean, there's uh, the idea of, of inserting a chip, uh, you know, scanner into your into your skin. Having that, using that as your credit card, as your key, so on and so forth. There are companies that are doing this. You know, it's all voluntary and so on and so forth. But, I mean, I've seen Gattaca. Uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, and, and it's easy to, to say, like, oh, this is the problem where we're going to get to. But it's also easy to then dismiss it because of that. Like, oh, this is a work of fiction, right? But I think... Human nature is such that we're lazy enough that where we can use technology to supplant our having to think about things, we do a lot of times. That leads to problems. It leads to shortcuts. And when those shortcuts get taken, people get left out and it, it disenfranchises people and it causes more problems. Yeah, I want to jump in for a second because you, I think the idea of having, you say like having technology take over things and uh, shortcuts and whatnot for me, I see that as offloading other cognitive processes. You know, this is, if you think about like, you know, human development, you know, for the longest time, early humans would have to do everything by memory and orally. And with writing was invented, uh, they were able to offload a lot of that stuff. And it allowed, of course, all that processing power to go to other things. And I think, you know, a lot of these things, you know, when you talk about technology, is another, we're, we're at another moment uh, in, in human evolution or whatever you want to call it where we are finding a way to offload uh, tasks like we did with writing in a way, you know, like uh, just being able to have a thing on my wrist that buzzes to tell me when I need to do something, you know, that I, uh, my, my whole schedule and everything is all offloaded now. And, you know, and, and like when I'm doing web stuff like that, you know, I'll just, I have like a little cheat sheet of code that I copy and paste from, so I don't have to write it every time, right? I, I did it once. So I think part of it, I think, is there's this idea that we can offload, and, you know, this leads to a, a whole lot of other 
cognitive processes opening up and being available for other things. I, I, I like that idea um, to the extent that it is uh, tasks that are being offloaded. I'm okay with it to the extent that it is discretion, judgment, non-task uh, experiences. I have a problem with it. So for example, uh, you start implanting chips it becomes very easy to get biological data, right? Um, here's, you know, that maybe generally speaking corresponds to levels of health, mm-hmm. for example. We use these very general levels of health, um, plug them into actuarial tables. We don't actually use our discretion to assess whether someone is, say, more of a risk for X, Y, and Z, and then they end up being charged more money for insurance or, or things like that. Um, and and so we're, we use technology and we use that, you know, the, the algorithms, whether they're actuarial or, or technological, to supplant our assessment and judgment. And that's where I think the problem comes in. So well, to the extent that it's tasks that are being offloaded, great. To the extent you think about it, it's just the data, the data gathering though has changed. Not, I mean, the actuarial tables still exist. It's just where we get the data from. But we're, but we're getting different data. Well, some would argue we're getting more accurate data. But going back to, okay, now we're talking about technology, but getting back to cashless society. So let's get back to the whole idea of, of money. Right. Because I think, so, there's, I mean, there's, there's obviously um, a wormhole we could dive into. And maybe that's another topic for another show. Uh, take notes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, I, I, this is serious. I mean, this is the first episode, uh, you know. But this is seriously how probably the, like, I can see the show going. Is we'll probably get off on a tangent. One of us will write it down, and it'll probably become a topic for another episode. But yeah, cashless society. So bringing okay, it back so, to that. So right. So one of my big concerns about a cashless society is that we end up using financial data shortcuts, such as a credit score, um, even more heavily than we do now. Um, that so becomes more, a measure. So it's not, not the method just, of paying for you that's the concern. It's the fact that there's a lot of data that goes along with it. It's Yes, it's that people then use this system to make assessments and judgments as opposed to just handling tasks. My, you know, not to be like a jerk or anything, I'm just, I'm just kind of playing the debate guy here. Um, but right now, we are already making assessments and judgments based on data that may not be as accurate is that better or worse then i mean we're still it's, it, it's that's it, i mean you're you know if, oh, but no, if the question is are we making are we making judgments based on you know we're always making judgments these it's not like this is going to be brand new judgments being made the the new the question is is this is this data now going to be more valuable than the data we have now and and i don't i don't think that it is i think that it creates more shortcuts. I mean, so, so like, for example, we use a credit score now, right? Uh, we're not going to loan you money or we're going to loan you money at a higher rate uh, because your credit score is lower than we want it to be because you had some past problems. Well, those past issues, right, may be completely resolved mm-hmm. for that person. And, and you stop and you look at where they are in their life now. And when they were young, they did, you know, spent recklessly, but now they're mature and like so so we use the credit score as this short abbreviation that credit score is now gathered from a number of different sources right some of which are going to show up some of which aren't they require for the most part a human reporting them following up on things and that's i mean that leads to its own problems at times um but because it requires more or less a human to actually sit down and look at the data, you can address those issues when you have this, the just a cashless society and every transaction now becomes a part of a credit score or something like that. I'm not saying that's where we're at immediately, but I think that's more or less where it leads eventually. That shortcut requires less and less human interaction with it, and it becomes more and more authoritative. So you're worried basically about kind of an impersonalization not of the of the transaction at the transaction level, but at the at a different level that kind of like oh now we if we can do this we can we can also get this this and this from it. Exactly. I I love self checkout. I use it all the time. I don't need a in person you know with my credit card. Bam, there you go. Right, like it's 
fast, it's quick, it's convenient, it's fast, and it's quick. How about that? Um, <laughs> that's but, quite the uh that's quite amazing it's fast and quick you say yes i mean so so it's right it's not that interaction that i'm looking at it's higher level um you know what happens because of it. so that's you know that's where i think there's a, a caution at a minimum to be raised about running uh, headlong into a cashless society but here's the thing you just said i pay with my card you're already not using cash Oh yeah, no, I. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but... you're not actually using cash right now, and and so no. I, I think more of what you're saying is, is is there's because I mean I rarely carry cash at this point. The only, the place I most likely use cash is vending machines. Okay. And but... and then I give my kids money to give at church. You know, at the basket that's cash. That's about it, right? I mean, we just have a new um, a new banking card. And my wife got now that we can do Apple Pay. You know, that's right on our phones. Not only that, but I have an Apple Watch. It's going to be right on my watch. You know, so and that's I, and, and, still, and I've I mean, got no problem with the availability of that. But when you eliminate cash transactions, because that's how you operate, but that's not how a lot of people operate. Right? That's, I mean, you you I'm I'm at that hard level. You're at the Apple Watch level. Other people are still at the check level, cash you know cash level. Those things happen when you consolidate everyone to a very similar level that has the ability to track data it enables that shortcut making that that tracking that you can't do now because you can't get reliable data because people are all over yeah well i mean you're right now you're getting data on demographics right i mean you know the people who are like you said in my in my tier of technology versus yours i mean there's data about us how likely we are to do things but you know our credit card companies, our banks and everything, they have all that data about us. They, ha- I mean, they know our spending habits and everything, right? I mean, which is why, you know, if something, if you if you go and buy something that is kind of large, you know, you might get a call saying, hey, is this really you? <laughs> because this doesn't fit your spending pattern. So in a lot of ways, I mean, these things kind of already exist, but there's still that human element. I think, you know, if I'm understanding your fear correctly, is you're kind of worried about this will enable us to eliminate a human element when it comes time to make decisions pertaining to, you know, an individual. Right. Right. And that's, yeah, that's a a big part of it. So, well, yeah, I mean, if so cashless society, but we're still able to have humans making decisions. Are you for that or again it? I would be much more for that than... No, fur, um, not, not four. Come on, man. For that. <laughs> uh, but I mean, but I, human but you don't think it's such, likely. I don't know that that's where we go. Cashless societies, bugaboo or not, you decide. Are we ready to move on? I think so. All right. Well, Weird Al announced a new tour last week. And I, I, I want to talk about it because uh, I think it's safe to say you and I are both big Weird Al fans. Yes. And uh, we've both been to Weird Al concerts. Um, I just went, in fact, not this past summer, but a year ago, I took my kid, uh, who was, uh, 11 at the time to see Weird Al and traditionally Weird Al's concerts are these giant multimedia costume changing theatrical things. And that's how it's been since he started touring many, 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 many years ago. That's how it was. when I first saw him in the nineties. That's how it was in 2000. So that's how it still is. Um, but what's interesting about his new tour he announced, now there's no new album or anything, and it's going to be just him and his band playing their instruments, or as other musicians say, a concert. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not going to do the screens or costumes or anything. And as interesting as that is, wait, there's one more thing. They're not going to play any parodies. Oh, wow. And he ca- he calls it the totally self-indulgent something, something, something tour, um, where they're doing just his original stuff. Huh. That's not parody based. And, and I think for a lot of people that are not like the hardcore Weird Al fans, they don't realize that he does stuff that isn't parodies that he's actually, you know, he does, he does maybe stylistic parodies, but he writes, if you buy one of his albums, there's maybe four parodies on all of the tracks, you know, with all, with all the, uh, uh, the 10 to 12 tracks, there's maybe four, you know, a third of it is maybe parody. The rest is original. What do you think of this? Is this, I mean, he, you know, Weird Al, he's in his fifties. He's kind of at this point in his career, I think where he's choosing his pro, you know, his projects and, and what he wants to do. And those concerts, I mean, he says they're, you know, that's a lot of work. They have to be timed up oh. to the minute. He can't vary 
from city to city. He can't play like a different song the next night because it just won't work with the timing. That's interesting. I'm, tr- I'm sitting here and I'm trying to think. I didn't realize the format was going to be different. I'm trying to think whether that would make me more likely or less likely to want to bring my kids. That's a good question. You know, I, I really want to go see it just because... You know, I've been a big fan. I think it's going to be more like a They Might Be Giant show. He's playing smaller venues for one. You know, he's, he's, I mean, but it's just no costumes, none of that. It's just him and his friends that he's worked with for 30 years going and playing music that they enjoy playing. Yeah, that's, um, I kind of like that. Now, by no parodies, does that include his stylistic ones or not? I, I don't think so. I think he means like parody songs. Like, you know, oh. we're not going to hear White and Nerdy. We're not going to hear Tacky. We're not going to hear Yoda. We're we're not going to hear the Star Wars songs, which is has has been now for since, you know, 1999, 2000. That has been his encore. Yeah is Yoda and the saga begins. Saga begins first and Yoda. And then that's, that's the show. Um, and this is, you know, he's not going to be doing that. Yeah, no, I, I was say I, uh, so I introduced my kids to weird Al, you know, sort of more extensively when we took a vacation this summer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they, they like him a lot. I've been singing Yoda saga begins, um, the Spider-Man one, Odo a Hero. I sing those as bedtime songs to my kids, along with They Might Be Giant songs. So, you know, nerd, nerd parent here, uh, right? I mean, I guess I took my then 11-year-old, now 12-year-old to see, you know, because he loves Weird Al. And I told him about this. And he's like, oh, that's cool. And I said, there's not going to be any parodies. And he made a face. That's a definitely a different approach. So are you for it or gin it? I feel like that's good. I could almost be the name of the podcast. Are you for it or gin it? Um <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm, I'm for it just because why not? I mean, he's got the, you know, I was wondering though, one of the things I noticed too was, was no new material. And I'm, I'm waiting for new material for him because he talked about, you know, after his last album that he was going to do just individual songs. He wasn't sure there was going to be like another album. Yeah, really, because his contract was up and, and right. everything. Right. I mean, he said maybe an EP, but but he'd release it. But he hasn't really done that. But it's not that he hasn't been busy. If you look at, on the other hand, you know, Weird Al, like I said, like is this kind of the point in his career where he just does whatever he wants? Um, he's got a successful TV show now, right? He's the voice of Milo Murphy and Milo Murphy's Law. Yeah. From from the creators yeah. of Phineas and Ferb, which is a brilliant show. Right. He was uh, he was the band leader for the very last season of Comedy Bang Bang. You know, he's got a couple kids books out. And speaking of kids, you know, his daughter is, I think, in high school now. And and part of it, I think, is, you know, he's been trying to, I think, spend time with his family. Weird Al, the family man. Right. I mean, how crazy is that? That that doesn't seem crazy. Right. But, you know, just because he doesn't (laughs) just could you imagine being his daughter? And that's got to be really strange at some point when like you're at school. I I don't think the word is strange. Well, you know, I didn't want to go there, but, um, you know, so it's not like he's not busy and not doing things. And he's got that, he's got that big box set he did the pre-order for coming out, which is like his everything collection and the rarities and the, this and that. And yeah. I mean, so, but it almost feels like, I don't want to say the farewell, but it kind of feels like he's wrapping up in some ways, doesn't it? Maybe a little. And that concerns me. You know, he's, he's amazing. And I, I don't think he's going to stop, but I mean, he does. It, it's it's interesting. I I I really want to see this concert. I'm hoping to get tickets. He's going to be in Minnesota three nights. He's doing two in Minneapolis, one in Rochester. Which, if you think about it, for Minnesota, he's devoting three nights of this small tour to Minnesota. Oh, and I didn't even mention this is the first time he's bringing an opener with him. So there's the oh, same yeah, opener for every show. I, I saw that. Emo Phillips. Who's, yep. again a longtime friend of his so this is really just him and his friends going out and having a good time good for him yes. you know good good for al i say all right so i am definitely for that i'm really excited i don't know if i'll actually get to see it like i said i'm not i'm not sure if my kid's gonna go i you know i agree with you and you say it is this something for the kids i kind of feel like this one's not it might not be i yeah i'd want them to see the uh the, the experience yeah. right i mean because that yep. you know and that was fun watching my 12 year old, you know, Al's in the crowd and Al walks right next to him and he's singing and right next to him and, and stuff. Right. I mean, cause he's, it's what he does and he's you know active and there's all these gags and the costumes and everything's just really crazy. And 
really exciting and you know all the videos and stuff but you know this is gonna be a much different kind of show and i and this is this is the one i would want bootlegs of <laughs> yeah you know, he's yeah. never done a live album and you know because he says well there's so much of it's just you know multimedia but maybe this is the right. time where this is a live album in the making it could be yeah you know guy goes 30 years and doesn't do any live i mean which is a shame because his yoda that he does at live shows is so different than the album version yeah. but i'm hoping this also means that you know we're going to get to hear him sing albuquerque you know we're yep. going to get to see you know some of those like some of those longer songs you know genius in france maybe you know some of those maybe those are going to be encores now or something i don't right I, i'm just very fascinated by the no parody thing that's the one that got me because i'm thinking like all right so what would be the songs like i'd be excited to hear and like what be like impressive like the hardware store song i think would be great um yep you know, I, I mean, he's got a lot of these. I want to hear uh, Skipper Dan, Weasel Stomping Day. You know, there's there's a lot. Uh, <laughs> Harvey Dare the to, Wonder Hamster. Yeah, and, and Dare to be Stupid. I mean, which, you know, he's always been doing Dare to be Stupid on the, on his at his concerts because it's a Devo-style parody, and they dress up like Devo, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, would they do that without this? Um, And I'm, I guess I'm not totally surprised by this direction either because at his last on his last tour... They did an acoustic set in the, at the end of the show where him and his friend, the, the band, they would all get stools and come up with acoustic instruments and do like this medley of parodies, but in acoustic style, huh. which is um, if someone maybe was at that concert and pulled out his iPhone and recorded it, you know, they might have a recording of that sort of thing on his, on their computer. Um, <laughs> all right, right. But it's, but it's, so I, I can see that, like, you know, the trajectory. And again, at 50 some years old, man, that's got to be exhausting. All the costume changes and running around and everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, that's that's brutal. I mean, and you think about like he's a very clean, healthy person. He's probably he could easily go in 30 years, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, but the he, crazy I mean, thing. Yeah, I mean, he's always, so he's Keith Richards is what you're saying. He could Keith Richards this thing so hard. He could be he could be the the healthy Keith Richards. <laughs> All right, I like it. All right, <laughs> all right. Well, last, and I'm really excited about this one. I feel like in a way we saved the best for last. The Good Place season one. What is the Good Place? Good Place is a TV show on NBC, uh, starring Ed Danson, and. That girl who's on every single magazine cover. Kristen Bell from Veronica Mars, for those of you out there who are screaming at your uh, earphones right now. Well, we, we know, but that's, that's, <laughs> I was making a point there. Yeah. <laughs> She's wonderful, by the way. She's also Anna in Frozen. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. So, so it's, it's, a, it's a show. It's a, ostensibly a sitcom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's where I... I kind of wanted to talk. So I recently finished the first season. It was on Netflix. I, I watched it. And and, and my uh, wife and I, we watched it on on demand last spring because we're like, oh, let's look, we kind of were going through shows. Like we started with trial and error and I don't know if that one's coming back, uh, which was pretty funny too. But then we got into the good place and it's like, Oh my God, this is great. <laughs> it's But it's, I felt like it was leaving something on the tape. What? I I do. I, because in terms of humor, it's not it's just not there. Um it it could definitely up that game. And I was thinking about it. so it's Michael Schur, right? Uh Parks and Rec, the office. And you look at first season of Parks and Rec, right? And that mm-hmm. that was a disaster. And even season two, there's it's easy Until the, like the last five episodes. Even season two. Even the last five episodes. It wasn't season, until Adam Scott and, and Rob Lowe got on there. They, but, but it had more to do with the group, like the the show figuring out, the writers figuring out that this didn't have to be you know, a certain type of show. Like it could it could be something new because I think Parks and Rec really was something new. Yeah, and so it took a while for it to find its legs. I'm wondering. Well, first, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that season two here, season three here, um, you know, do the same thing. They, they, mm-hmm. they step it up. 
um, it gets to be more of what we want it to be. Hang on, before uh, we go any further, I feel like we should tell people what the show is about. Okay, okay. And the non-spoilery version would be, um, it's the afterlife. Uh, and it focuses around this, Kristen Bell's kind of the main character, and she dies. And Ted Danson's like the guy that runs her particular afterlife, and he welcomes her to the good place. And he says, you know, after all the great things you did when you were alive, you're at the good place. Everything here is for you. You know, you're going to have a soulmate that's here for you and everything. And then the big twist is <laughs> that's the wrong Ellen. That they, they mixed it up. That, that she's not the Ellen that belongs in the good place. There's someone else with her exact name that should have been there, not her. She didn't do any of those things. And so that's kind of what propels the idea is that she meets some other people there and one of them agrees. He was like an ethics professor and he agrees to help her learn to be a good person. So that eventually maybe she can actually, if, if they catch her, she can say, but she's a good person and she can be in the good place. Is that that's non-spoilery yeah, that's enough, a, right? That's a good non-spoilery version. Yep. Now, do we want to do spoilers? I think so. Cause that's one okay. I want to talk about a little bit. So, Folks, if you have not watched The Good Place, and, I, and, and we say intend it, to, and you intend to, you need to stop listening right now. Well, and, only if you think that a spoiler ruins your enjoyment of it. See, I don't know. This might be I don't know if it would ruin it. Too. Yeah, that's another topic. But if you want, but we're just this is the spoiler warning because we when we said ostensibly a sitcom, we kind of mean that because there is some heavy drama, some heavy plot twists that we we want to talk about, um, and. Um, I didn't, I, I personally didn't see it coming and I thought it, I, I was just so like, I was so engrossed in the conceit of the show that I, I, I don't know if I'd been like knowing that if I'd known there was going to be a twist, I probably have been looking for it, but I didn't think it was a twist show. So I'm telling you right now, this is a show with twists, spoiler alerts. We're going to talk about them. If you want to fast right. forward to the end, when we're talking about other goofy things, go for it. So, so I, I actually guessed that twist after about episode three, maybe even episode two. Okay. And, and then See, and completely I think, forgot about it. I didn't think it was a show of twists. Now the twist we're talking about, do you want to say it or should I? Yeah, sure. Sure. So it turns out in the end that there's, I mean, so right. I mean, any good TV show you need, you need some conflict, right? You need some, some, something to carry the plot forward. And here there turns out there's a good amount of conflict, especially considering this is the good place. And in the end, it turns out that it's it's not the good place. The it's four main the characters have been just annoying the heck out of each other. The ethics guy, Cheaty, he's always having stomach aches because of all the weird situations he gets into trying to protect Ellen's secret. There's um, this other two people. um, one guy who's supposed to be a silent monk, and it turns out he's just a DJ from Florida who also isn't <laughs> supposed to be in the good place, who is from a complete buffoon. Even. Jacksonville. Jackson. Who's, by the way, one of the he is one of the funniest characters on the show. He's the comic relief, every interaction he has. But they figure out that they are actually in a bad place. The four of them. Everyone else in the neighborhood are actually demons there to help torture them. And they're doing most of the torturing themselves to each other. And Ted Danson yes. is actually a, the bad guy, I guess. He's running right. one of the one of the hells, and they're all in hell, the bad place. So, uh, so I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Well, knowing that, knowing how you are, if everyone likes it, you probably go, eh. <laughs> well, they created an <laughs> awful lot of buy-in. So, right. So, like I said, I had this thought like maybe second or third episode. Like this is not good place or this is a really defective good place because there's all these problems. And I don't, I, and I said, and I said, I don't know how they could possibly make a show about the good place. There needs to be some ongoing conflict. And you know, and they right? set it up. Well, you know, and, and that's the thing, right? Like why I didn't think of like there being a big twist was they set it up that because Ellen wasn't supposed to be there, it was causing all these glitches in the good place. That something was, cause this the idea was that, that Ted Danson's character, Michael was running a grand experiment that no one ever lived with the human souls before from like their group. 
the, the architect, the people that build the place. And so he was going to be there to kind of micromanage it and everything. And he was trying this radical experiment on, on how to run a good place. And, right. and the idea, and so things were going wrong and he couldn't understand it. He's going through simulations, you know, he's trying to figure out how to fix it. So, it, and they ostensibly had told us that the reason that everything was going wrong, because there was one person who wasn't supposed to be there, but then it turned out there were two people. That there were two people. A... And we, so we knew it wasn't that, but we also knew that like, people. so who there was something wrong for... with how it was set up, but it was his first time. And so, you know, it was okay. Well, there was mistakes made. Eventually you're going to catch it. That was, but... That's what the conflict was set up to us as. Uh, yeah, but but that that didn't have enough legs, right? Just I mean, no. Doing some writing and stuff, I, I kept looking for okay, where's the rest of the conflict going to come? Because this is going to get really old really fast. And and it, it kind of did, and they moved it forward very quickly. Really, I they mean, really were clipping along. It's a yeah. thirteen episode season, right? I mean, so yeah. and so what? I kept looking for outside conflict, right? Like. There's got to be like, okay, she becomes his apprentice at one point, and all right, now they're going to go help other people who are coming to the good place or something, or they're going to figure this out and expand it, and so now there will be new characters being introduced, things like that. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously that's not the way it went, but it needed something more, and so that something more is, I mean, so, I mean, here, big spoiler again, at the end you know, they reset. Um, they, all yeah. memories are erased. And now season two, they got to do all over again. Um, Which was amazing to me. Like, oh my God, we just went through all this stuff and now it's like, it never happened. And like, they set it up differently so that these people wouldn't meet right away. And, and it's, yeah. You know, and so it's, they'll never know I, that they're actually in the bad place again. I, and I, I'm willing, I'm, I'm more than happy to give it a chance. I'm excited for when I get to watch it again. Oh my the, god, season two. Well, okay, I want to talk about the first episode then of season two, because it feeds into this. Okay, well, I haven't seen it. Okay, so well, so, you need to watch it. Get off your I, butt and get on it. Get on your butt, I mean, and watch it. <laughs> so, so, I was say, so don't spoil it for me. <laughs> but they created so much buy-in in season one, I felt like. Um, that I just, I, I have some, some nervousness about where it's going to go. Are they going to throw all that buy-in out? Or is this a story that has an ultimate arc that we can, we can be satisfied with? Or is this an arc that we are never going to be satisfied with? So I don't want to spoil anything, but I'll tell you this, that after I've lost track, because you know, just the way you buy, you, you, you watch things after like the second or third episode, the buy-in is, different but it's definitely still there okay like okay the the first couple episodes like well because the the first the season premiere is is a double all right all right right i mean so i mean that they i you get the feeling that they actually know where they're going with this well that's as i understand and that there is i mean so the conflict actually is like I always like okay, Ted Danson's a really big name, right? Yeah. And to have him be like the non-main character on a show, you know, okay, maybe it's a scheduling thing or whatever, because we're supposed to, you know, Kristen Bell is the main character. Well, I mean, and, yeah, right. But I'll say this: season two gives you a reason to say, "Oh, that's why Ted Danson is in that role." Okay. All right. So you know, it's kind of like. Good. So, you know, I don't want to say like the focus shifts or anything like that, but it, it I would say reef, I don't want it, it kind of refocuses a little bit clearer. All right. And that's the so thing, just... right? These are really interesting characters. That's, that's the cool thing about this show is a lot of these episodes are also character studies just on like really common human flaws. <laughs> yes, that's, yes, that is absolutely. And, and that's one of the things like the characters who are besides the the doofus DJ and Kristen Bell's characters, the other two, they believe they're in a good place because they believe they spent their life doing good things. And they did genuinely good things. Like one guy spent devoted his entire life to learning about ethics and, and figuring out what is right and what is wrong. And the one woman, she spent her whole life raising money for charities and helping the poor and all these other things. But then like 
they kind of took a look at like, well, what was their motivation for doing these things and what happened because they did these things. And, and, you know, it kind of, you know, it took it out of like just their immediacy of, of doing it. And like the woman, well, yeah, she did all these things because she was competing with her sister for her parents' affection. Right. <laughs> you know, and the guy, he was so busy thinking about what, what the right thing to do is, is that he never actually did anything and never actually interacted with anyone, never actually helped anyone. Cause he was so concerned about like, how does he help someone? <laughs> Right. Right. Yeah. No. I, and, and I mean, yeah, I, I can't recommend the first season enough. I mean, it, it was really compelling. It's great. Uh, Go watch. It. And, and it was not as funny at times, but it, it wasn't as funny as it could be. I mean, I think it left some of that humor on the table and maybe it did that because of where it was going. And, you know, I don't uh, know if I need it to be funnier. I mean, so I think like one of the funniest characters on there is um, Mindy St. Clair, right? Who's at the medium place. Because the characters say, well, there shouldn't be a medium place for good and bad. Because she gets more screen time in season two. That's why I'm saying these things. Oh, okay. Okay. So, right? I mean, she's, but she's this woman who, she seems really horrible. But because of, like, one amazing thing that happened, like, as she died, they couldn't figure out if she should go to the good place or the bad place. So they created a place just for her that isn't good. That isn't bad. Like the only movie she has is a VHS of Cannonball Run Two, <laughs> and right? The making like, of, and the making of. Like those are her movies, and like you know. So these, and then I think we also have to talk about Janet, right? Janet is an amazing AI character. So that's the thing. It also kind of has a little science fictiony bend to it, right? right. So there's this this being, this kind of like computer or, or AI or whatever called Janet. This woman who just like pops up whenever you say her name in a good place to help you to do whatever you want her to do, to give you whatever you want. So if you say, I really want watermelon right now, Janet, and she'll boop right there. And here's your watermelon, you know, and, and that thing. I mean, but, she might give you a cactus, but well, but that's just it. Every <laughs> Janet, because she's a computer, she can be rebooted. And, <laughs> and, and the idiot, the idiot DJ falls in love with the computer in season one. Yeah. And, and like, but like, because that's what she he wants. Like she performs that way, but she doesn't actually feel any love. But she acts like she. It's and it's just this really funny thing. And then when they go to reboot her, and and it erases her, there's there's this great thing that happens where like she has this fail safe device, which is her begging for her life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty. Funny. But she is oh, great because was... she just has to just be the craziest things and um and then oh and there's a really great guest star with adam scott also from parks and rec yes and he also had a guest spot on veronica mars so it's great to see the you know the connection there but there's there's where he plays the guy from the bad place when they eventually find out ellen is supposed to be at the bad place and he comes to get her and swap in the real ellen who yeah he's <laughs> he's pretty hilarious in that role so. he's hilarious real ellen is hilarious um there's a lot of there's all these twists and turns and everything. And I, it, even though we've given spoilers, we really, I feel like haven't spoiled a lot. You could probably easily go in and be like, Oh, here's that. I feel like we gave like the trailer almost. For oh yeah. Me. No, I mean, I think the whole thing is great. And I mean, I think, yeah. I think it's really set up. Well, so, so you know why I guessed, well, maybe this wasn't why I guessed, but why I guessed it ultimately that the twist was the frozen yogurt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cause I mean, so he has a comment about, you know, there's something perfectly human about taking something and then making it just a little bit worse, right? Taking yeah. Ice cream and the frozen yogurt, right? Like, but it's not quite oh, ice cream. <laughs> that's not the good place. That's not, I mean, it may be perfectly human, but that's not the good place. So, <laughs> okay. Was, I know uh, this is a minor spoiler for season two, but I have to give it because it goes along that theme. When he reboots it for version two, he places frozen yogurt with clam chowder. <laughs> okay. So, so like there's right. there's like clam chowder fountains everywhere and everything. That's really odd and hilarious. <laughs> All right. So right. So I mean, this is the kind of this is the kind of so like, I think part of the humor though is it's super subtle humor. In a lot it, of ways, too. Yes, it it's this amazing invented world that is. I mean, it's a very full world, and I, I'm yeah, I'm excited yeah. to see it explored more. 
Yeah, and and it definitely does. So I want I want as the guy who's who's up to speed on it, I want to say, it's it it keep going, man. It it's not season two is great as well, and it goes it just keeps going forward. This thing clips right. along, and every episode when it ends, you're like, ah, oh! <laughs> which is not something you expect right. usually from a sitcom. Well, good, good. Wow, we covered a lot of stuff today. Uh, this has been a great first episode, everyone. He's telling uh, me that you, so you believe it. You're telling them it's been a great first episode so that they believe it. Well, I really want them to come back for the second episode. Um, but I mean, these they episodes, can try. I want to I point trust out th- them to make their own decision that this was a great episode. You're right. I'm saying I had a great time, though. Oh, okay. Okay. But I, I, I'm saying I had a great time making this episode, which... You know, I think the best podcasts are the ones where you can tell the people are doing it and they're enjoying themselves while they're recording. Um, you know, I, I just and I'm having a great time. I want to say that this show does get released to my patrons first at patreon.com slash marvelous Patrick. So uh, if you're hearing this and you're not a patron, that means there's probably more for you. And my Patreon is a, a really good deal, actually. Um, I do comics. I do a comic called Freaks and Squeaks at freaksandsqueaks.com. Uh, also, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and Instagram at Marvelous Patrick. But you can, uh, on my Patreon, it's only a dollar. And you get uh, early comics, you get ebooks of all my comics. I've been making comics since the 2000s. So you get, um, I think it's like four or five ebooks for that dollar uh, with probably about a thousand pages of comic strips in it, at least. Um, as well, obviously, as uh, early access to the comics, they get posted on Patreon first. Uh, sketches get posted there. And now obvi- the podcast gets posted there first before it goes out to the commoners. We love commoners, but, you know, um, $1 a month sets you apart from them. So patreon.com slash MarvelousPatrick. I also have a really ne- neat video there. You can see the um, little animation I made to show you why you should pledge a dollar a month. Um, as I said, I am at Marvelous Patrick on all the social medias where you can see content, jokes, things like that. Matt, anything you want to plug this week? Uh, tell them who you are at the end here. No, I'm good. I'm right. just adequate. He's adequate, Matt. Uh, some might say he's adequate. No. Because that would be terrible to say. So there are people out there that would that are monsters and would say that. But thanks for listening. We'll we'll talk to you again very soon we need like some sort of clever sign off on the old show on the old show i would say that's all we got and um because we used to do a show a different show called the weekly podcast show different format um but i don't want to do that again like i want different i want just goodbye something about something about a list or uh, i don't know next Uh, time we'll veto your topic or veto hard i don't know no Maybe we'll, maybe we'll just keep talking and I'll just cut it off mid-sentence. That works for... All right. <laughs> Goodbye.